you actually have to be on cocaine to be on this podcast. you who are uh, joining us for the first time this is our uh, that's that's our stupid theme song that i put together uh, appreciate, appreciate everybody joining tonight uh for those of you who are listening on the podcast feed you're listening to yet another edition of cocaine willie uh, tonight we've got a jam-packed realignment episode for you we've got representatives from each of the four corner schools of colorado utah arizona and arizona state to discuss their experience through the latest round of realignment and to talk about also what they're looking forward to in the next iteration of the Big 12. Real quick housekeeping item, if you're watching or listening live, please throw us a like on the video. Uh, we're going to try our, our best to stay on top of listener questions, but if you super chat, that'll pin it to the question or that'll pin your questions up to the top. Um, we'll be sure to read those off if we get those. But as always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, the good chef Andre Napier and Fireball Matt Marchesini. Guys, how does it feel to be in a stable conference for sports for the first time? I don't know. I feel like a winner. You know, no shade at the Pac-12 or anything like that. I hate to see you guys die. But the real winners came out on top, and we're, we're a big 16 now. Let's go. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, that's harsh. I mean, I remember back in 2010 when I thought we were going to be chilling with uh utah state and colorado state so uh it is nice uh i think it this conference is going to actually be incredible next year um i think there's going to be a lot of really good like there's going to be a lot of really good good teams coming in that could absolutely challenge to to win the conference in football basketball um especially some of the schools that are represented here um on the show today so uh we're super excited to to have you all on Absolutely. Couldn't uh, couldn't agree more. Uh, first off, let's go around the room real quick and, and introduce our guests. So I, I kind of tried to scour the Internet as much as I could uh, with the news as quickly as it arrived on Friday. I was really just trying as hard as I could to find, OK, I need an Arizona State fan. I need a Utah fan. I need an Arizona fan. Fortunately, I'd already kind of linked up with, with Scobuffs Nation about a year ago when when some of this started to unravel. Uh, back in July of last year. Uh, and then Wildcat Agenda, we kind of connected, what, about a week or two weeks ago. But uh, great to have Joe and, and uh, Utah Utes balling on here as well. But I'd love to go around the room real quick and just have you quickly introduce yourselves, what your connection is with the institution that you're representing tonight is. Uh, and, you know, if there's anything else that, that you do that you, that, you're, that you love, that you're involved with, that you want to plug, go for it. But we'll go ahead and start with uh, Utah Utes balling. Yeah, hey, what's up, guys? My name is Joseph. I'm excited to be here tonight. I'm with the Utah Utes Football Digest. I have lived in Utah for like eight or nine years now, and I've just fallen in love with Utah football. I'm from Las Vegas originally, and if you guys know anything about UNLV, it, in my opinion, it is the worst football program. It is like I can't even tell you guys how many times people said stuff like, "Hey, well." It's about to be like this new coach is going to kill it. And it's about to be a great program. Probably happened like 12 times throughout my life. And I just can't like UNLV. And so eventually I moved over to Utah and I just fell in love with Utah. 
I've been covering the team. I have a Utah YouTube channel. I've been covering the team for like two years, and I love talking football. I'm I'm pretty nerdy about it. I'm guessing a lot of you guys are too. It's like I really get into the analytics, and I really get you know PFF. Not not a hundred percent, but I I look at it and I dive in and all that. So I'm excited to be talking football with you guys and be here with some of the other you know previous Pac-12 guys and kind of share the experience and go Utes. Appreciate you joining, Joseph. It's great to have you here. Wildcat Agenda, a.k.a. Big Tucson Dad. What's up? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. This is this is really fun. Um, yeah, I'm Wildcat Agenda. That is my college football burner Twitter account's name. Uh, I usually go by Big Tucson Dad. That's my main account here. Uh, I am not from any digest or sports podcast. I am just a, just a U of A diehard. I've made a uh, u of a based twitter account just to uh, leave all my normal followers from all the things i have to say about u of a sports uh and then realignment happened and i made a bunch of new friends in the big 12 so i don't know this is just super exciting uh just the whole whole realignment it's uh it's kind of sad to see the pack die from our perspective at least or at least mine um but also at the same time i'm still super excited to uh get into a conference that is much more, much more stable, it seems like, and also has some, some daytime central viewing uh, time zone games on the schedule for me. And I live in Chicago now, so I don't have to wait until 8 or 9 p.m. to watch U of A get blown out by Utah. So this is great. I love it. Uh, and Scobuffs Nation. Hey guys, Scobus Nation here. Yeah, uh, was an undergrad at Colorado uh, during some really dark times during the program. I actually uh, tried to transfer in as a preferred walk-on, but had a bad shoulder and uh, never saw the field. So I've uh, been a Buffs fan for a long time, uh, you know, for at least 15 years now, which has been a really dark time for the Buffs. We're uh, really happy to be coming back to the Big 12 Conference where we, we belong. You know, we love K-State, love that old school rivalry uh, from the Big 12 North and just really excited to be you know, relevant again uh, in the conversation. Uh, we've had two winning seasons since 2005. And, uh, you know, I miss the Big 12. I think most Buffs fans uh, also miss the Big 12. So happy to be here and happy to be working with you guys and uh, looking forward to this chat. Awesome. And last but not least, we've got Joe from the Speak of the Devils podcast. Hey, what's up, y'all? Joe Healy, want to have Speak of the Devils. Uh, we've been doing our thing since 2011. Uh, I also do a little bit of writing for devilsdigest.com, which is ACU's affiliate on rivals been doing that for about hell god dang this could be my 17th year um i just do some light work with them been around asu athletics pretty much my whole life uh, my dad's radio play-by-play voice for asu he's entering his 26th season doing that so i've just been immersed in it again pretty much my whole life and graduated from asu a a few years ago love it love it it's great to have all four of you on here um and and first off you know, I just want to go around the room real quick and, and simply get your thoughts on what this past week, month, year, what it's been like for you as fans of each of the respective schools. I think, you know, speaking from a K-State perspective, we've been through multiple rounds of realignment. We know what that uncertainty feels like and, and how awful of a feeling that is. Um, and now that we have this stability, it really feels great from a, from a Big 12 and a K-State standpoint. But from the outside perspective, I just want to know a little bit more what it's like sitting in the seat of an Arizona state fan, a Utah fan, a, a CU fan and a, an Arizona fan, 
what it was like this past year or so. So, you know, outside looking in again, it really felt like Colorado and Arizona were ready and happy to leave and, and go to the big 12, but Arizona state and Utah were more so those holdouts trying to fight for the PAC 12 coming over a little bit more begrudgingly. So just walk us through what, what has this round of realignment been like for you as fans and, and feel free, whoever, whoever wants to chime in first, go, go right ahead. Well, I'll say from the Arizona state perspective, because it was a really weird week last week. Uh, and it, and it seemed like it took forever, you know, after the meetings that happened early in the week, Wednesday came around and by the close of business, folks were pretty fired up and a lot of reports that ASU was going to jump to the big 12. And then Thursday came and this board of regents meeting. And then everyone was freaking out because it looked like it was going to ASU maybe would stick behind in this, you know, floundering carcass of a pac 12. And then Friday came around, Oregon, Washington did their thing. And then ASU got dragged across the finish line, which uh, obviously excited all the, all the fans. So it's something that there's been so much going on in the last two years around Sun Devil Athletics with the NCAA allegations that kicked up two years ago, the whole Herm Edwards fiasco that came to an end last year that I think people just have been spinning around not really knowing you know, what's up or what's down. So this conference news really has been a fairly recent thing as far as being on the top of the list of you know discussion topics and things that Sun Devil fans are thinking of. So again, last week was pretty chaotic. There was a lot of fear that ASU was going to go down with the ship and find itself in the position that, you know, especially Washington State and Oregon State are in right now. But whether it was kicking and screaming or whatever the case was, and I know that even they kind of had to partner with with Arizona a little bit, you know, in an uncharacteristic move. But whatever it was, got it done. People are happy. Yeah, brothers are brothers, even if they fight. So we're, we're in it together for sure. Um, from the Arizona perspective, I think for a lot of fans – the second USC and UCLA left, it was kind of, I feel like kind of most people saw a lot of writing on the wall. Um, your two flagship cash cow schools out of nowhere bolt right after voting to not go forward with any expansion uh, to bring anybody into the conference kind of, kind of shot us right in the foot and then ran away. Uh, it, it didn't look, didn't look bright. And so I know a lot of U of A fans were, were kind of clamoring to start that discussion going with uh, the big 12 and credit to our president, uh, president Robbins there. He apparently was one of the first ones to start having those conversations with other presidents at other schools. And I think that is a, a sentiment that was felt throughout the entire U of A community and, on campus as well. So coming up to like last week here, it was a, I mean, we've been waiting for forever for a TV deal. They, it's been about almost a year now, just about, they say it's going to be coming in three weeks, every three weeks for six or seven months. They just keep saying it over and over again. And so, I mean, you're slowly watching this timer tick down of, who's going to be the first person to pull that linchpin and shout out to Buffalo, the Buffaloes over there in Colorado. Uh, Cause they, they took that leap and they knew they need to go back home. And then the rest of us kind of just stood there for a second. Like, was that the linchpin and Oregon, Washington finished it off and we all hightailed it out of there. So like I said, 
writing is on the wall. U of A fans have been kind of eyeing this for a little bit because we know that if we get stuck in the pack, it's already tough enough for us in the pack football wise. We, we know we're not the premier football football destination of the pack 12. So we're getting the late slots. We're not getting the primetime games. So we're already kind of fighting for our lives as it is, but shout out to Jed Fish for turning things around. seems like, um, so I think just beyond saving ourselves, also noticing some grass being greener on the other side, some opportunity. Uh, it was it was kind of a consensus among U of A fans that we were we were ready to jump ship. I think. I'll just kind of comment on how it went for Utah. So basically, we get into the Pac-12, right? 2010, 2011, something like that. We. You know, you take a few rough years, but you thought they didn't have any really rough years, but just some tougher years, not like super good years. And then slowly you build into becoming like a really good program. Like the past five full football seasons, Utah's been to the conference championship. Like it's been a really good recent history. And then we finally win a conference championship, which is not easy as everybody in here knows. And then right after we win a conference championship, USC and UCLA leave. Uh, to go to the Big Ten, and then, you know, everything kind of starts falling apart. And we did go back-to-back conference championships, and I'm not bragging. I'm just saying from our perspective, it was – and this is really how I felt, and I know a lot of people think Utah was really cocky in this whole process, but really how it went, it was kind of like, okay, for sure, it'll be – I don't know where we're going to wind up. Hopefully we stay in the Pac-12, but – at the end of the day, wherever we wind up, it should be good. Like we, we should be a somewhat valuable program to somebody and, and things should work out. But I will say at the end there, once Colorado left and everything was kind of shaky, there, there was a moment there where you started to worry. Like I never felt like we were going to leave the power five, but I did wonder. I did know there was a shot we could. So that, that's kind of how it went from a Utah fans perspective. Yeah, and you know, for the buffs, I think you got to trying to fight for their own lives. Uh, so we go to the Pac-12 thinking we're going to make more money. We're going to have more exposure. This is going to be great for us, right? We get there. We end up losing $75 million. And if we would have just simply stayed in the Big 12 back when we were there, uh, you know, we were kind of a bottom feeder team throughout our entire tenure uh, throughout the Pac-12. You look at the Dan Hawkins years, the John Embry years, uh, Coach Mack year. You know, it's just one coach after the other. Never really got it done. We have one good season in 2016. We won 10 games. Uh, we go see our old pals, Oklahoma State, uh, in the Alma Bowl, and we got our butts handed to us, right? I think the final score was 30 to nothing. Uh, it's been tough for us out in the Pac-12, and I think a lot of Buffs fans, uh, you know, there is some West Coast mentality there. We do have a lot of kids from California that come to the school, right? But uh, I think traditionally we belong in the Big 12. Uh, I think that's where we've always been the most natural fit. We've recruited out of Texas for a long time. And so for Buffs fans, you know, put our, put yourself in my shoes a year ago, right? We're going into a, a really bad Carl Durrell season. No one was excited about the season. No one was going to the spring game. We got one in 11 last year. You know, I think that was rock bottom for a lot of Buffs fans. And we had a lot of issues that folks aren't probably familiar with. Um, you know, trying to get a transfer portal player from a year two year three standpoint from another power five school, you couldn't do that with the academic requirements we had. It was the equivalent of trying to get into like a Northwestern uh, or something like that. So it wasn't just, you know, we hired bad head coaches, but 
from a, an overall organizational standpoint, we were thinking we're kind of dead in the water here. And, and where do we go forward from this, right? So fast forward to December, start hearing the rumors about Deion Sanders coming in. Now Coach Prime is our head coach. Uh, we sold out our spring game. We sold tickets for that. It's the first time uh, in a long time that we've had a sold out spring game. It's, and if you actually took the past seven seasons combined, when we gave out free tickets, we sold more tickets in one game. So you see that prime effect happening. Really excited to be coming back to the Big 12. I think a lot of traditional Buffs fans who were there during the glory days in the 80s and the 90s, uh, they missed the rivalry with K-State. They missed go to, going to Manhattan. You know, they missed playing Oklahoma State, all those old school Big 12 rivals. So we're really excited. Uh, as the other folks were saying, you know, we were kind of the first one to jump ship. I think a lot of Buffs fans just felt for the first time in a long time some actual security uh, because of what we were promised going to the Pac-12. And we just never got the exposure. We lost out on the money. And so for us, we felt like Rick George kind of saved the program single-handedly by going back to the Big 12, getting that secure contract, the $31 million a year, uh, and also having the exposure on ESPN and Fox. It's something that Coach Prime talks about is wanting to get our players on, uh, you know, primetime television and getting the exposure. And, you know, you're getting that uh, in the Big 12. I think the streaming deal with Apple TV was kind of dead on arrival when you look at what happened to the Pac-12 network. So. For us, we were relieved saying we're not going to have to fight for what happens now. And we all knew Oregon and Washington wanted to bolt for the Big Ten as soon as they got the shot. And uh, surprisingly, they got it sooner than I think all of us expected. And, you know, I think Arizona, we were all looking at to be the second school. And now we're all here. Yeah, that's great. And and I mean, I think we can definitely say, at least on the K-State side, um, you know, bringing back some some old memories playing Colorado will be uh, will be definitely fun for sure. Um, but for for all four of your schools, I mean, coming over to the Big 12, I mean, what what about the move to the Big 12 excites you um, as a fan, excites uh, the school? Um, you know, do you think your team fits with the Big 12 from a cultural standpoint? Um, you know, just kind of interested to hear your thoughts about actually, you know, the move itself. I'll come right back. I mean, yeah, I mean, for us, I mean, you know, we used to be in the Big 12, right? Um, and I think, you know, I'll let the, the Utah fans speak for themselves. I mean, they have a really good following, great fan base, passionate fans. Uh, you know, the Arizona schools have done, have been up and down, I'd say, over the years. I think Coach Fish has it in the right spot for Arizona. You know, ASC, we'll see what happens. But for us, I, as Buffs fans, like the the Pac-12, this is something Adam Munster-Tiger from 24-7 Sports says a lot, but it always felt like a wine and cheese conference, right? You go to these games, you play Cal, you play Stanford, you go to some of these stadiums where they're not as passionate or, or filling up the stadium. And it's just a completely different atmosphere than, you know, a sold out Boone Pickett stadium, a sold out Manhattan, Kansas. I mean, completely different environment. You felt like the fans weren't totally into it uh, as much as you would see in the Big 12. So I think for a lot of Buffs fans, you know, we're pumped to be back in the truck stop conference. We're excited to go back to, you know, Ames, Iowa and Manhattan, Kansas and, and West Texas. We're excited to get back into that stuff. So, I think overall, Buffs fans are really excited to go back. Yeah, I think Ray ASU fans are just uh, looking for things to sink their teeth into. I mean, it's it, it can be a fair weather fan base to say the least, but when that weather's fair, it's something special. There there are cool times around here, um, and to turn the page away from the Herm Edwards era to move out of the shadows, hopefully sooner rather than later, of this whole NCAA cloud 
that's been around for two years. There's a lot of excitement. Kenny Dillingham, he's an ASU alum, brings a lot of energy, obviously youngest uh, head coach in, in, in the FBS. So the, things are pointing in a, in a solid direction. So to, to get things into a greater level of stability and not just for football, obviously Bobby Hurley has had successes, especially compared to his predecessors at ASU. To even be a bubble team for ASU, that's pretty good. Uh, Willie Bloomquist in baseball, looking to get that back on track. The Big 12 will be a very interesting opportunity. I'm, I don't know if you can see the posters. I'm a huge ASU wrestling fan. Great program. For, you know, been a top 10 program the last three years under Zeke Jones. That's going to be a, a really intriguing challenge in the Big 12, and I think they're going to be up for that. So if you look at the whole landscape of things and what it does for athletics, not necessarily just football, really intriguing deal. And, you know, to, to enter into a, a conference that's got history, that's got passion, some new sites for, for people to go check out. I think it's just a breath of fresh air for Sun Devil fans. Now, obviously, the work needs to be done, uh, but there's just the, the fan base has really been begging for something positive. And like I said, they, there was a lot of fear that this whole switch was going to fall through at the 11th hour. So for that to happen in a positive way, I think can be, you know, maybe a launching pad for some fans to get excited about. Like I said, the work's got to be done because once you get there, it really doesn't matter anymore because the games have to be played. But for now, there's some enthusiasm and some excitement and some hope. There's been a lack of hope around here for a while, and this brings that. Yeah, to piggyback off that, similar similar issues down south uh, in Tucson and similar forms of excitement. Um, it's It's very, very positive to see that we are gaining that stability. We are gaining timetables and time schedules for visibility um when asu just beat the snot out of us 70 to 7 that was a that was a dark day that was that was awful kevin sumlin i've never seen a coach put a program into a hole as deep as kevin sumlin did and i was a jed fish doubter at the very beginning i will be the first to admit that and he has proved me wrong he's very much turning the ship around and i don't think that this realignment could have come at a better time for him and his tenure at u of a um, we just landed a five-star in-state recruit on the defensive side of the ball we just converted a i believe four-star quarterback from ole miss who is uh, up in Chandler to come play for us now in 2024 class. So all the things are starting to fall in place for U of A football to not look awful <laughs> in, the, in the next few years. And now we're about to get national exposure and play some games before 8 p.m. Central. And so you have that. That's sparking a lot of hope down south in Tucson. And then also basketball. My God, this is this is going to be the conference. I know ACC, people talk about ACC being the basketball conference. Not anymore. This is a gauntlet now. This is crazy. And U of A is very, very exciting. Just about every year, I would say. Even ASU, like I said, not uh, like Joe said here. Um, I'm not a huge Bobby Hurley fan, but I will say he has turned their program around for sure. Um, it's going to be fun. March is going to be a very, very fun time for this conference. And to reiterate, absolute gauntlet. I, I cannot wait. It's, it's all just so exciting. Uh, yeah, just 
I'm I'm super excited to be in the Big 12. I know all of us are. Honestly, I think we all these the four corner school kind of share this this a little more blue collar than the rest of the Pac-12. It, it was like like someone said it earlier, wine and cheese conference. It really, I would say Utah for sure. At least I mean I'm, I live in Utah, so I feel it from the end of August or early September to you know January or whatever. Utah is all about football, and, and I think you guys are really going to be in for a treat with the Utah-BYU rivalry. Like I said, I didn't grow up in Utah, so I wasn't aware of it, and I got here, and I've, I love sports. Like I'm really big in professional sports outside of this, and uh, I couldn't believe what the Utah-BYU rivalry was like. Like, you, like Literally, you can see it on, on their faces when the game's going, that it's, there's nothing else that matters at that moment. It is pretty intense. I think we're we're excited to be here and we're excited to be a part of this. And I think we'll fit in really well. And you know, we kept getting told, uh, yeah, you guys are a great football team, but what? How how good is your brand? Like you're doing so great at football, but how good is your brand? Well, how about we just focus on the fact that we're doing really great at football? I feel like that would be great in this conference. So excited to be here. And we're excited to have you. I mean, you guys all brought up good points about how you fit in and and. Culturally, when I look at you guys as teams, that's what I see. So when you're coming in as like a, a collective of Pac-12 schools, you're going to have those the familiarity with each other. But when you play other teams in the, the Big 12, who are you most looking forward to playing? I know Utah has that rivalry with BYU, and I, I'm sure that's going to be the first thing that's brought up. But I just want to hear from you guys collectively what teams are you kind of looking forward to the most playing? So I'll throw out TCU. I mean, in recent years, ACU's had some non-conference games with BYU, with Oklahoma State. Uh, it wasn't that long ago they played Texas Tech uh, a couple times. You know, an eight-touchdown game by Kalen Bellage where he outplays Patrick Mahomes. Weird times. Uh, I'm, I'm actually a native Texan. I didn't live there very long, but I was born in, in Dallas. So love the Dallas-Fort Worth area. love the stockyard. So i thinking about going to a game and, pre-game and party in the stockyards and going to a football game ASU at TCU, that, that fires me up. Personally, uh, I'm excited for, of course, the KU and Arizona basketball matchups going on here. Uh, two nationally huge brands just butting heads at least twice a year and then possibly into the tournament afterwards. It doesn't get much better than that. Um, and then a little bit is historic rivalries getting renewed. <clears throat> I would say uh, Texas Tech for sure. Texas Tech and U of A were considered uh, rivals back in the border conference way back when. And so it's been a dormant rivalry with some some home and homes here and there across the years. And they've won most of them, but it's still good to have somebody to call your rival, you know, like, of course, ASU is going to be our number one, but it's good to have some ancillary ones as well. And BYU, we, uh, we've played them our fair share as well. Good, good bunch of neutral sites up in Phoenix, but Phoenix is the largest population of Mormons outside of Utah. So it's actually not as neutral as you would think. Um, so we, we've had some good games with them. We're currently, the series series record is tied with them. I believe it's 15, 15 and one. So we'll be, we'll be looking for that next matchup to see who takes the lead. 
and there was a little bit of shared history there, if I remember right, when both teams were in the whack back in mm-hmm. what, the 60s prior to, to joining the Pac-8 at that point in time. Yeah, I believe Utah, BYU, ASU, and U of A were all in the whack together. So this is just a whack reunion, honestly. This is great. Yeah, I think in terms of reunions, you know, for us, it's all the Big 12 North schools, right? It's it's Kansas, it's Kansas State, Oklahoma State, Iowa State, you know, all the schools that we used to play in the past. I think there's going to be a lot of nostalgia there. Uh, a lot of Buffs fans have associated ourselves with UCF just because of the same color schemes. They wonder what that's going to look like. Also having prime time, you know, he's gotten a lot of recruits for us out of Florida. Uh, five transport guys uh, just from Florida State alone. So you're going to see kind of some, I think, recruiting uh, rivalries that start between Coach Prime and, and Gus down in uh, at UCF, and that's exciting for us. But, yeah, I mean, it's the, the Big 12 nostalgia for us is, is off the charts. And I think even for younger fans, I, don't, I feel like, you know, they tried to make us in Utah this rivalry, right? Uh, Utah has done really well what Kyle Whittingham's done at the program. Uh, Utah is just nothing short of incredible. So that rivalry has never really been something. I wouldn't really call it a rivalry, you know, other than we're just – uh, state neighbors, but you know, for us, it's the the Big Twelve North rival folks, uh, especially all of you at Kansas State. I mean, we're really excited to come play y'all. Uh, when you talk to the old uh, Buffs players like uh, Matt McChesney, all those guys, that's what they remember is playing K State, a hostile crowd in Manhattan. So that's what we're looking forward to. Yeah, I'd say the teams I'm most like obviously BYU, like you mentioned, we're gonna say BYU. I'm just excited. We play BYU a lot, but there's a lot of years where we don't play BYU as well. And I'm excited to just have that locked in. This should be a protected rivalry and just know that that's just there every year. Um, the other ones I'm looking forward to are just like the Staples, TCU, Kansas State, Oklahoma State. I feel like those schools are so similar to Utah and where they are talent-wise and kind of mentality-wise, where it's just like yeah, we don't get the greatest recruiting classes, but we take those recruiting classes and make great teams, right? And I'm excited to see when we're playing all those teams every year, you know, every other year, whatever, in a conference, see kind of how we come out against those guys. Yeah, that's something that stood out to me uh, listening to the 1012 podcast this week, which if you're not aware of it, it's a great podcast network in the flagship show of that network is led by Philip Slavin, who, who leads that whole podcast, but he had, uh, I believe Ralph Amsden from Arizona state on to talk about Utah and all the other four corner schools. But the thing he specifically said about Utah that resonated with me was very notorious for taking talent and developing it as opposed to getting four star, five star guys year in and year out. So that's something that I'm definitely looking forward to as, as a K state fan for those matchups with Utah. And as I sit here, I'm, I'm drinking a beer with a, with a Stanford koozie on, what about the Pac-12 will you miss, if anything? And, and which final matchup for you in football or basketball is going to be appointment television for you uh, in this last academic year of the Pac-12? I, I think from the ASU perspective, it's obviously been a while and only happened twice. But, you know, they made two runs of the Rose Bowl. One one on New Year's Day 1987 and then lost the heartbreaker that would have led to a national championship and. I mean, for my money, one of the most memorable memorable teams in Pac-10, Pac-12 history in 96 with ASU, Jake Plummer, Pat Tillman, Juan Roque, Keith Poole, Kyle Murphy, and, and all the, the crowd there. Um, so there were, you know, those those memories there. Some of those kind of side, maybe not rivalries, but matchups every year with the likes of, you know, UCLA, with USC, ASU's upset some teams, Oregon, Washington, that sort of thing. So uh, I think for me, you know, 
the it would be wonderful if uh, ASU can somehow manage a win over USC the last time they'll play them, at least in conference action. I know that's a very big ask uh, in early September there, but if we're you know wishing on some stars here, that would be one hell of a way to go out. Yeah, I would say one thing I very much will miss about the Pac-12 is uh, all the upsets and just the chaos. It, I mean, we really owned that Pac-12 after dark type of a hashtag and mantra. You'd never know. You just never, ever know what's going to happen in a Pac-12 game because a good majority of our teams are just hyper offense and then Every once in a while, you'll get some defense in there as well. It's it's always super entertaining. It's always electric. And you you Big 12 fans will very much learn but between both U of A and ASU, playing night games in the desert get very, very weird. And it's always, always a great show. So have we always been the premier conference for – for getting to national championships and in the big bowls on New Year's Six, not always, but I would love to argue that we have been one of the most entertaining conferences for sure because of our parity and, like I said, electric offense. Just super fun time, fun football all around. Yeah, I think for us, you know, not a lot of good memories for Buffs fans in the Pac-12, like I said. I mean, we had one winning season, uh, the 2016 season. Um, I think one thing I will say I'll miss about the Pac-12 besides Pac-12 after dark, uh, always a wild time, always fun if you're watching that. But I'm going to miss Bill Walton, the basketball announcer. I don't know where he is, if he's okay. Um, no one seems to really check in on him anymore now that the Pac-12 is pretty dead. But, you know, I'm going to miss Bill Walton uh, calling basketball games. Just an absolute maniac, uh, you know calling the games you never know what that guy's gonna say right and i second that yeah and he just so many times he would just be talking nonsense about whether the you know whether it's the mascots that the teams play for right like talking about the mighty buffalo you're like dude are you watching the same game that i'm watching right now like what are you talking about you know but gonna miss bill walton a lot for sure uh i think for us tad boyle our basketball coach uh usually made a whipping boy out of oregon and uh, we'll miss that that game for sure. And their uh, their horrendous uh, basketball court. Well, I can tell you, I think I speak for all Utah fans when I say I want to go beat USC. Yeah, I'm not a fan of USC. I think most Pac-12 fans weren't a fan of USC. I know there was a lot said about Utah fans, but I can tell you, having to deal with uh, USC fans a lot over the past year or two, they're just straight up insufferable just ridiculous excuse makers. And so I'm excited. I, I can tell you guys, we're going to carry that big 12 flag into the Coliseum and hopefully just whoop them around. And I, and I can tell you guys, if you, if you watched last year, it, it was like the electrifying offense of USC could not keep up with the physicality over a full game in Utah. And it was just awesome to watch. So and just so you guys know, anytime you guys this coming season are playing any of the the Pac-12 teams that are going anywhere else, I'll be rooting for you guys. And in my games for this season, it's USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington. If we can run that table, I think we go to the conference championship. And I think we, uh, I think it's possible. It'd be tough, but possible. So excited about that. So yeah, I mean, you run the t if Utah runs the table and does what they have to do. I mean, conference championships, and you go to the Rose Bowl. 
So with the the demise of the Pac-12, so to speak, the Rose Bowl is up in the air. And Joe brought it up earlier. That's kind of the goal for a Pac-12 school outside of a national championship is to go to the Rose Bowl. What what are the feelings about not being tied to the Rose Bowl in the Pac-12 anymore? And I mean, we don't know the future of it, but what are your thoughts on that being gone for Pac-12 schools and you guys in general? Well, as a as the only school who has well, also Colorado, but you guys have a little lean, so you just got here. Uh, sure, would like to know what it feels like. That'd be cool. <laughs> I would I would enjoy going to a Rose Bowl. Um, I, I believe this is the first year where the uh, the Pac-12 championship the winner will not be going to the Rose Bowl automatically. I believe this is the first year. Last year was the last guarantee. Um, so now I think it might be the year that U of A might win it all just because it's the one year we can't go to it anyways. So I think that's going to happen to us and I'll be excited if we win all those games, but I'll, I'll just be more dead inside. I've been dead inside, but now I'll just continue a little harder. So you can talk to the other guys about what going to the Rose Bowl feels like. I have no clue. <laughs> well, it's been a while. Uh, I've, I've, I've personally been twice. Uh, I went on New Year's Day 97, and both my parents are Penn State alums, so I went New Year's Day 95, Penn State played Oregon. And, I mean, I have not been a big Pac-12 honk. Like, I've been the opposite. I've wanted every team to lose because I don't want them to get – it's been a real, like, sour – salty thing for me the last handful of years but i think that the rose bowl is the most special college football game that exists i mean the pageantry the history behind it and even i truly feel like if i were a fan of someone in the northeast of the united states or some or the south someplace that had no tie-ins to the to the rose bowl that i'd think the same uh it's a really really special game memorable unforgettable game crazy things can happen you know it's 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 something really, really cool. And, you know, with all due respect, I just don't have that same feeling for a cotton bowl or a sugar bowl or those, you know, these games that carry the similar magnitude, just the pageantry isn't quite there as it is for the Rose Bowl. So um, maybe somewhere along down the line, if AC can get things going again and it's part of a playoff system that gets them there, that would be cool. But uh, I would say that's, there really isn't much that I'm mad about leaving behind, but, just the, you know, the, the off chance when anything can happen any given year in college football, like that 96 team, again, it was damn near 30 years ago, but that team wasn't expected to do much. They went on a magical run. Those things can happen as we've seen. Um, so for that possibility to be off the table again, minus a playoff run where that game's a part of it, that part, that part kind of sucks. Yeah, I think for Buffs fans, you know, we're similar. We've never been to the Rose Bowl, right? We came close to 2016, but uh, we didn't do so hot in the Pac-12 championship that season. But you know, it's the granddaddy of them all. Uh, and what Joe was saying, I mean, it, it's something where you look forward to that every year. You look forward to the Rose Bowl parade, that pageantry that you see with it. It's truly something special. Uh, the only time I've been in the Rose Bowl, uh, it was a pretty decent game. It was Texas versus USC in the national championship. Being at that game was incredible, right? And, and seeing the environment, the atmosphere of, a, of a, a jacked up USC fan base, a jacked up Texas fan base, it was truly something special, right? And and those moments, those are the things that I think as college football fans, that's the kind of stuff you look back at and that's what you remember, right? And so 
when you can associate those types of memories with the Rose Bowl, uh, as someone who's been to the Rose Bowl before, I mean, it, it's something that really once in a lifetime, you've got to go, whether it's for a UCLA game in the future or college fo football playoff game, it's something you got to check out at some point in your life. And, you know, for it to not be a part of the Pac-12 anymore, it's going to be weird, you know, um, seeing those Big Ten Pac-12 games uh, in the Rose Bowl every year. Utah has been there quite a bit recently, but it's something that everyone looks forward to and we're excited about, but very sad to lose that uh, in this weird breakup that we're all in with the Pac-12 right now. Yeah, I don't know if I share the same sentiment about going there for a UCLA game. I don't know if I want to see a giant empty stadium. Uh, but outside of that, I, I do agree that the Rose Bowl is pretty awesome. It was uh, the past two years that Utah went to the Rose Bowl, and it was uh, it was a little disheartening to see just how damn good the Big Ten is. Like, it's the second or third best team from the Big Ten. Like, last year was the third, and they got us. I mean, Cam got injured in that game, but they felt pretty damn good. I don't – I think it would have been really tough even with Cam. So I would just say I'm not completely opposed to the idea of not facing that those top three out of the Big Ten every year. That's pretty tough, uh, tough go there. Um, I I think we'd be remiss to not uh, to not mention the remaining four schools in the Pac-12 that haven't necessarily been picked up yet. We know Stanford, Cal, Oregon State, Washington State um, still potentially finding a home. Uh, and today we heard about some ACC rumors with Stanford and Cal. Um, we've heard some stuff with Washington State um, and, and their old K-State president, who's their president, uh, gave some quotes today. But, um, you know, what are there is there anything that you're hearing about those schools? Are, are you is there a specific school in that four that you're you're sad that you're not going to be playing anymore? Um you know, any thoughts on those four schools at all? Well, I think ASU fans are maybe not happy to, to not play Oregon State anymore, but there have been some times where they have really pulled the upsets. Or there have been some miserable games for ASU in Corvallis in October, November, in dreary conditions. Uh, you go back, I mean, it's almost been 10 years, but 2014, after a huge win over Notre Dame, ASU's in the the outside looking in in the first iterations of the, the college football playoff polls and then go up there and lose to a really bad Oregon State team. But I'm eager to see what happens with them. I mean, in a 12-team playoff, even if they're in the Mountain West, they could win 10-plus games a year and be a playoff contender. Um, really sucks for Washington State. Curious what happens with Cal. I mean, people are joking, like, is Cal just going to drop football because they're in a ton of debt? Apparently, I don't know the inside out of that. But, I mean, that's these are things that people are saying. So uh, it's unfortunate, but it's been such a – every man woman for him herself at this point where every team just has to figure out what's best for them. Every program just has to figure out what's best for themselves uh, and make that happen that, I mean, it's, it's pretty cutthroat, but it's hard to have too much sympathy when you just have to focus on what's, you know, going on at home. Yeah. I, I only really feel bad for Oregon state and Wazoo. Cause I mean, they got really passionate fan bases. They are, they are very, very, into their schools and their programs and that's that's what college football is all about you love to see that um and to see them kind of being put off to the wayside a little bit i don't know it just, it just kind of sucks uh i've i've never had any animosity towards either school i've always kind of had a soft spot for oregon state specifically just because for for a very long time i mean they're not 
they didn't have anything going for them. They just got started getting good at good football here. And I mean, their baseball has been bonkers just for, for a while now, but that's, that's really the extent, but they still have such a faithful, loyal fan base. Um, and they, they like to beat up on the ducks, which I always think is fun. Uh, Cal and Stanford. I don't feel as bad for just because I don't know back to the wine and cheese and crackers conference. They're kind of leading the charge on that one. Um, bragging about all their Nobel laureate parking spaces that they have reserved on campus. And it's like, we get it. You're smart. We don't care. Like, that's not what we're talking about right now. We know, (laughs) we know. And it's like, you guys are the smartest people on planet earth, but you couldn't read the writing on the wall. And now you're just floating up Creek without a paddle here. Um, And I don't know, they've, they've had some attitude towards the joining the big 12 when this all kind of started going and kind of looked down their noses at all these other schools and these conferences. And they're pretty much saying it's, Oh, it's big 10 or bust for us. Cause we're so special. And it's like, all right, you guys are just being assholes at this point. Calm down. So for, for Washington state and Oregon state, I do genuinely feel bad. And I really hope they find a home that takes care of them and loves them as much as the PAC 12 did before it imploded and Stanford and Cal, I don't care what you do. Yeah. I think for us, it's, it's kind of, uh, when you look at just what's happening right now with realignment, right? Why is this all happening? It's TV money. We all know this. Um, so I blame the TV networks for being in the situation. If I'm an Oregon state fan, Wazoo fan, Cal or Stanford, right? I mean, I've seen this going around on uh, Twitter the past few days, but people are saying, how is it that an Oregon and Washington can go to the Big Ten and get the, the piece of the pie that they're getting? How can the four corner schools all come to the Big 12 and get the chunk that they're getting, right? The 31 million guaranteed. It, it's a byproduct of the TV wars that we're having right now. Uh, and I think it's really perverted the sport. And I think we're going to see that kind of shake out when you have this insane travel that, you know, thinking about the USC playing Rutgers and women's volleyball and how that's going to impact student athletes going forward. It's a byproduct of the situation now. And I think it's unfair to Cal Stanford Wazoo and, uh, and Oregon state and look at Oregon state. They've done well in basketball this past season. They had a great football season last year, win 10 games, beat Oregon and a huge game. Right. So at no fault of their own, uh, their quote unquote brand, but more importantly, the DMA that they're in and the media market that they're in, that's what's really impacting the sport right now. That's where a school like CU, who has been, you know, a gutter football program since 2005 is, is attractive because we're a top 20 media market with Denver and we kind of dominate that market, right? So when you bring in a Phoenix market uh, that ASU can bring in and, and Arizona can bring in, when you bring in that Denver market, it makes us inherently valuable. But, you know, Pullman, Washington and Corvallis, Oregon is not the market that you need uh, if you're a TV uh, network executive to move forward with, right? So I think it's disgusting. I think all of us can kind of agree that, you know, conference uh, conferences in the Power Five should be a regional thing. It shouldn't be something where you have these ridiculous travel schedules for student athletes. But I think we all know that's where the, the sport is headed right now. And, you know, it sucks. I hate it. But I'm at least thankful to be back in the Pac-12. And I think uh, now that these other schools from uh, the Four Corners are there, I think we must feel pretty good about the spot that we all have to be in now with a great commissioner and Brett Yormark and, uh, you know, 
we have to feel some security and stability. Yeah, excited for Brett Mark. I definitely agree with that. So uh, excited to be in the Big 12. The, the number one team, everyone said them, it's Oregon State. They're, they, you can, I don't know if I feel bad for them. I feel like I've heard a lot of people like really feel bad for them. And, and I would say they're still going to be a good football program. Even if they wind up in a group of five conference, they'll, they'll still be fine. They have such good culture there. Uh, if you guys didn't watch them last year, someone mentioned the Oregon game. That was incredible. That's what got Utah into the conference championship. I was on a, a plane coming back from a President's Club trip for work, and all of us were Utah fans watching this game on our phones. You heard people just cheering on the plane. It was so fun. <laughs> but it was wild. I think Oregon was up three touchdowns, and Oregon State just starts pounding the rock for, like, I, I like literally mentally, you thought it was over. I was like, right, we're not going to the conference championship, and then an hour later, we're going, so. It was awesome. I'm a big fan of Oregon football, and I hope we get to play them more in the future. And I just want to comment on Stanford. They have been just shockingly bad at football recently, considering how much money they spend on it. It is surprising how bad they are. So, For sure. Uh, so one thing, joining a new conference means that you get to educate yourselves not only on some of your new opponents that you're going to be facing each year, but you have an opportunity to educate the rest of the conference on what your team, what your community, what your school brings to the table. Um, so what should the rest of the conference know about each of your respective institutions and then the cities and towns that they're in? Uh, and, and also, I think something that's that's also helpful to touch on is what are some of those traditions that you're most proud of or that you enjoy the most? My mind immediately goes to like Ralphie with CU, but, uh, you know, I, I want to go uh, go around the room here and give you a chance to kind of brag on your school, some of your traditions and, and, and educate the rest of the big 12 on, on what your school has to offer. Well, I suppose I could start. Uh, traditions, not really, you know, a ton, obviously uh, a lot of, a lot of reverence for, for Pat Tillman and his leg legacy here in, in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, game day type of stuff. The administration has not been huge on tailgating and a lot of the Tempe area that I knew when I went to school, granted that was, you know, 15 years or so ago when I graduated, it's, it's night and day. It's just more of a want to be metropolis than a college town. Certainly isn't a college town. Uh, but I mean, it's a beautiful area. Like I said before, uh, fans pretty much across the board in all sports tend to be pretty fair weather, but when they're into it and things are rolling, it's, it's an awesome scene. You know, when Kansas was down here, uh, in basketball five years ago and ASU upset them for the second time in two years, that was an incredible scene. Uh, you know, games that we've seen against Oregon, against USC, against good Washington teams, things like that. Again, they get up for it and that's pretty cool. Uh, the one thing that if you don't know about it now, uh, the Territorial Cup rivalry is about as intense as it gets. I know that the BYU and Utah are going to give us a run for the money in that regard, uh, but it's two programs that have been historically average at best in many, many, many years. The only thing that really matters, because neither team's going much anywhere, is that Territorial Cup game. That's it's right. vicious. It's It echoes through the fan bases as well. I'm part of that. Prior to COVID, I owned a sports <laughs> bar right by Sun Devil Stadium, and we didn't let people in who were wearing U of A colors. Uh, so we had some fun with that. Wait, wait, wait. Which bar was it? Hold on. Called College Bar and Grill. I did get kicked out of that when I was in college. There you go. You, so we you might have kicked me out for a hot minute, but you know that's just 
a little bit of a symbol of how deep it runs. So there's a lot of pettiness, that's for sure. Uh, but as far as, you know, traditions are concerned, I think it's something that, you know, it's tough because the Phoenix area, we've said this for years, but it remains the case. A lot of people are not from here. So you don't really have those, you know, third, fourth, fifth generation fans who are going to ASU games with their grandparents and their parents went with their grandparents and that sort of thing. You have some, but it's not an overwhelming amount. So there's just kind of like a turnstile of students and fans and things like that. But like I said, um, when things are rolling, it's fun. So it would be wonderful, you know, in years to come that when, you know, BYU's in town, when K-State's in town, when Oklahoma State's in town, if ASU's doing well, that those are some really, really cool environments. It has the potential to be that. Yeah, and I'll, I'll keep it in the, the state here up next. Uh, U of A, Tucson is a vacation spot for a reason lovely lovely weather it's it is I, I would say the main difference between tempe and tucson is that we're we're not as paved over when you go to like tempe and phoenix you'll get very much like the big city vibe when you get to tucson the nickname is the dirty t because we don't have anything paved over so you see a lot of desert landscape and all that jazz while you're still in the city um asu fans love to make fun of us for it they <laughs> they, they, they love calling dirty t in a derogatory way and then we call it the dirty t just because we like it and it's funny um but it's good good fan base down there it's I, I was talking to some iowa state people on twitter the other day about tailgating and how all of the big 12 schools seem to have just insane tailgating uh u of a if you come to a u of a game uh there is some tailgating we have a strip on our mall where people will come in and park and whatnot it's nothing nearly as big as what you guys are used to but there are a ton of local bars breweries restaurants all around campus that we implore you to go explore. Um, if you're visiting either U of A or ASU, please go get some Mexican food. I will take shots at Tex-Mex. Tex-Mex isn't as good as just Sonora and Mexican food, I promise you. It's it's so good. Um, traditions, we love homecoming. Our homecoming is very, very big. Um, we have a mountain, which is, I'm not saying like a mountain, I'm saying a mountain which is uh, also known as Tumamak Hill. And we have a giant white A that is you built in into the mountain with rocks. Uh, and every homecoming at the start of homecoming week on uh, Sunday night of the week, as the sun goes down, we light the A on fire. And so you can see the mountain just lit up in flames in the shape of an A. So that's pretty cool um that's kind of our main tradition we really love homecoming it is a fantastic little town it's very easy going most of the roads you're not going over 35 miles an hour it's it's a sleepy little town it takes you 20 minutes to get anywhere in the city whether it's down the road or across across town 20 minutes doesn't matter um good school good people good times come visit Yeah, you know, Boulder, Colorado is frequently uh, rated one of the best college towns in America. It's a, it's a destination school, so 
you know, the student population, it's half in state and that's half all over the country. You get California kids, East Coast, Texas. I mean, you name it, right? Um, Chautauqua Park, the mountains are great. Pearl Street's a great bar scene. Uh, you know, I'd say from a tailgate perspective, we're probably not a top tier tailgate school, but we do have a tailgating atmosphere around Folsom Field. Of course, tradition, one of the best in college football, having Ralphie run out uh, to lead the team, having a live Buffalo. You know, I make fun of schools like LSU or, or Texas, right? It's like you used to have Mike the Tiger at the LSU games. You know, Bevo sits on the sidelines at, in Austin, but, you know, having a live Buffalo run on the field, it's it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity if you ever get the chance. You should definitely go check it out, go see it. Um, and again, like I was saying, I mean, Boulder, you know, two, since 2005, two winning seasons, our fan base is hungry. Uh, it's there. Even the more recent uh, students who've gone to see you, I mean, we've had bad seasons, but the appetite's there. We had a 1-11 season last year, you know, week five, week six, week six, excuse me, the student section was still showing up and showing out. So rowdy fan base, I'm sure all of you have seen what's happening with Coach Prime. What's going on in Boulder right now? It's probably the most excited I've ever seen the fan base since I've been a Buffs fan. So you're going to see a really hungry fan base this year. You're going to see a sold-out Folsom Field week two against uh, Nebraska. And uh, just buckle up. I mean, it's going to be really exciting. And I think Buffs fans uh, are really excited to come back to the Big 12 where we belong. Uh, yeah, so Utah has uh, obviously, like, I don't know how much you guys are aware, but Utah has like a huge home field winning streak. It's a super cool home environment. But the big thing that stands out, it's a more recent tradition, but I don't know how familiar you guys are. I'm guessing the Pac 12 guys all know about this, but the 22 forever. So we had two players that, that passed away, um, and they were like literally best friends, and it was like all like six months apart or something. It was really a sad moment, especially when the second guy passed away. The first guy was like a superstar. I don't know if you guys remember Ty Jordan. He was like a big time baller running back. He was, he looked like he was poised to be the next great Utah running back after that COVID season. And then he passed away when he was home on a winter break or whatever. And then, then his best friend passed away as well uh, after one of the games early in the 2021 season. And what Utah does is at the end of the third quarter, so right before the fourth quarter starts, they do a thing called a moment of loudness. You guys might be familiar, I'm not sure, but basically what happens is they play the video of those two guys, and it's pretty damn sad, dudes. And like their parents are really involved in the program, so like show their parents, it's really sad. I mean, you could if you guys have kids, you guys know what it's like. It's, it's that's your worst nightmare. And then the whole stadium after they play the video just goes nuts like as loud as anywhere i can remember being so super cool moment if you guys get to be there for that that's probably my favorite tradition it's a more recent one but it's really cool um and kind of wrapping it up here uh with the last season of the pac-12 a lot of people outside uh, i would say the pac-12 circle so to speak know that the conference in football is actually it's going to be very strong this year um thinking there's multiple teams that maybe can win the conference championship and, and potentially go to the college football playoff um but specific to your schools uh, how do you think your school is gonna fare um in the last season of pac-12 play and um any bold predictions for football or, or basketball um for for this last year 
Well, for ASU coming off a three-win season, just a nightmare last year. I mean, getting up to 500 is a realistic goal. It's 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 attainable. I mean, th- some things are going to have to go their direction. Got eight home games, which is a, a huge benefit, including some uh, you know challenging teams. Territorial Cup game is back up in Tempe after a, a real wild one last year that didn't go ASU's way. Um, so I think that's something that year one under Kenny Dillingham to double the win total from last year, even if it's just a 500 year that would be a step in the right direction. Uh, Basketball-wise, obviously, ASU made it into the tournament, had a, a heartbreaker against TCU and, uh, you know, prediction of the the Big 12 that they'll be facing. Uh, a lot of turnover there with uh, transfers coming out, some guys in, so that one's really hard to tell, but kind of sticking on that normal uh, train of being a, a bubble team. Again, I hate to say that mediocrity is, is great, but just I've been paying attention to ASU sports for about 30 years, and I remember some really, really dry times in basketball, I remember just getting our tails kicked year after year after year by Arizona. So, you know, to be winning a few here and there against them, even in miraculous fashion like last year down in Tucson, those are good things. So, yeah, I would say just to kind of keep that trend going, getting up to 500 is a realistic goal. Uh, again, maybe on the high end a little bit, I, you know, it's going to take some luck. Um, and then for basketball, just to keep heading in a positive direction, just to get in, I think just getting into the Big 12 with some momentum and getting this year and especially the last couple of years behind ASU is going to be a huge deal because the future can be bright, but got to take the steps to get there. Yeah. For, for U of A here, football wise, we, I mean, we've been, Jed, Jed Fish has been digging himself out of the hole that Kevin, someone put him in, unfortunately uh, his first season went one and 11. So that sucks. That's, that's it's, it doesn't get too much worse than that. It does get a little bit worse, but not much. Um, and so kind of the way Jed has been running the program is little by little, we're going to get better all the time, every year, just keep improving. Um, we, we've retained a lot of our really good playmakers, uh, both from graduation and the portal. We lost one of our top receivers to USC, which is a nightmare in its own right. But I, I see U of A's ceiling being eight and four this year, their floor being four and eight. I'm hoping we at least go six and six improve, improve by one game over what we were last year where we had five wins. Let's go get that sixth and get back to bowling and hopefully go win a bowl. That'd be great. And then basketball wise, um, let's go win a national championship. Yeah, I think for uh, Colorado, we're probably the most across the board, pick your own adventure for what's going to happen this season, right? There's some folks, you know, the bookmakers make it three and a half roughly for how many uh, wins the Buffs will have. You see a lot of people on Twitter saying, I'll take the under, they're not going to win any games. You got to think about, we only have 10 scholarship players who were on the team last season, or 10 overall players on this new Buffs team. Um, So I think a lot of folks are looking at if it's a four or five win season in football, those are huge steps from a one-win team that we had last year. And I think a lot of folks will try to unfairly compare us to Texas A&M because there's a lot of hype around the program, a lot of noise with Coach Prime and everything that he's done so far uh, up in Boulder. But I think for me, I've always said the sweet spot, I think, is six wins. I think we can. it's realistic for the Buffs to actually get to six this season. Um, the, tough, the first five games are going to be tough, right? Uh, we got TCU right out of the gate down in Fort Worth. We got Nebraska at home. We have our little brother, Colorado State. Uh, but then we kick off Pac-12 play with USC and Oregon back-to-back. And I swear, 
Uh, they've done this to us every year in the conference, but they just make it as impossible as it can be for the Buffs to start the season every year. And then they go, oh, and then their last games against Utah to kick off, you know, finish out the season. So I would say six wins is realistic and we get to a bowl game this year. Um, I think if we get to four or five, that's huge for the Buffs program. And then for basketball, you know, Tad Boyle's done a hell of a job uh, as the basketball coach at CU. I think for the Buffs this year, we have uh, Cody Williams coming in, you know, depending on which uh, recruiting website you look at, they have him, you know, in the top five overall. So there's sky high expectations for basketball this year. And I'm really excited to see the the Big 12 basketball product when you bring in that Arizona, uh, when you bring in a Colorado with Tad Boyle and all these other programs. So, you know, high expectations in Boulder, highest they've ever been with, with Coach Prime there. But, you know, I think if they get to a bowl game this year, then gloves are off coming into the Big 12 next year. Yeah, I think uh, for Utah, the the goal is obviously a conference championship. We won two in a row, so obviously. And I really think, and and I really believe this, with, with the schedule we have this year, if we do win a conference championship, we're going to the college football playoff. Like, if you look at our schedule, I like trust me, I think this is by far the toughest year for us to win a conference championship. Like, we play at like we play at USC, at Washington, at there was one other big one, and at Oregon State. I just like those three home fields are going to be rough, and I think we got a shot. One one thing I want to comment on is I, I'm sure you guys all know who Dalton Kincaid is. I'm sure you guys have all heard his name. He was awesome last year, uh, but a lot of people that were not watching Utah, and I, I knew about Dalton Kincaid for years. i like I knew he was awesome. People that weren't following Utah at the beginning of the year might not know who Brent Keithy is. Before Brent Keithy got injured, Dalton Kincaid was playing second fiddle to Brent Keithy, and Brent Keithy looked like the best tight end in the country. So I'll just say anyone that thinks Dalton Kincaid is going to be a huge hit is right, but we have basically the best replacement you could possibly have for that huge hit. So go Utes. So we get one more. Chef, you want to round it out with that last question there? Well, I, I kind of just want everybody to, you know, I, Bob's going to ask you guys to plug all your stuff before we get out of here. But I have one um, for Joe specifically. Um, Bob had informed me that you were you were somehow um, plugged in with the NIL uh, aspect at ASU. And I kind of wanted to know what, what what you're doing with that and kind of the in and outs of what it what it's like to you know do the nil and and all all that goes with it because I, I i'm just so lost with the world we're in now and and i, I i'm really curious yeah, so I'm a board member of a group that's called activate asu uh there are you know a few different uh groups that work with nil around arizona state like there probably are at many other schools uh, we just came into existence at the beginning of this calendar year and the initial uh, mission, the initial goal was more to connect fans and businesses. It's kind of a spinoff on Kenny Dillingham's introductory press conference and early media that he did. He kept talking about activating the Valley. So we kind of used that terminology uh, as things developed. We, we got into the NIL landscape of things uh, at up to this point, it is mainly, if not exclusively been with, connecting student athletes and businesses, not so much on the, hey, you want to donate X amount of money and, and get that put to use. That could be forthcoming, and that is the plans. Um, it's been more along the lines of making those partnerships with local businesses, which has been awesome. Uh, like I said, I've been immersed in 
Sun Devil Athletics and its community for a very long time. So it's just kind of a matter of, you know, communicating, connecting with people that I already know and and using a passion to, to drive that. So it has been wild. Uh, it's, it's interesting that, you know, there are a lot of student athletes that just kind of like to have some deals. It may not necessarily be about, you know, getting $10,000, $20,000, a million dollars a year. You know, it, it obviously cash is good and they want that, but there's value in just being appreciated having that. I mean, these are, we're talking about 18 to 22, 23 year old kids. So they like going on Instagram and saying, Hey, I've got this deal with this restaurant, even if they're not getting a ton out of it in that, in those circumstances. So it has been truly something interesting. And I, and I, I know a lot of people share opinions as far as it having its value. It's obviously good for student athletes to, to get what they're worth, but regulations, things like that need to happen. I mean, that's, a conversation for uh, an entirely different time, but yeah, it has been quite interesting. I haven't been in the depths of it. I'm, I'm, you know, a board member and I help with some things or others that are really the, the boots on the ground in an everyday basis, but it's a cool thing being, being able to create these connections and help with those conversations. Uh, but man, as you, as you talk to more people about it, it's, it's wild how the whole thing is just chaos across the country, especially, you know, hearing things from the SEC and ACC and how that goes on. Uh, man, that that's that's some wild stuff. But until people stop them, I guess they're not going to stop themselves. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I, 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 that that's really refreshing to hear. That's kind of the, you know, the roots of NIL, name, image, and likeness. You're you're, you're putting your name out there, letting businesses use your likeness to sponsor them, and it works both ways. It's not the pay for play, and I'm I'm glad that you're involved with something actually kind of honorable instead of, you know, that shady backroom door shit. So that's awesome. Awesome. Well, well I'm, I want to give everybody else an opportunity to quickly plug whatever you want to plug, you know, Wildcat Agenda. I think you've got a, a minor league baseball podcast. So we'll, we'll go around the room, plug whatever you want to plug before we sign off here. And, and then we'll, uh, we'll give a final word. I do. Yeah. I, uh, I don't have any college football podcast or anything like that, but uh, I do have a podcast and it is uh, called minor breakdown and it is about exploring minor league independent and summer league baseball teams uh, and exposing listeners to the world of baseball outside of just the MLB and giving exposure to these local teams because everybody should go support their local baseball team. It's, you sh- it's the best it, tickets will cost like $10 and they have insane drink deals and the pitchers aren't that great yet. So you're going to see a lot of home runs. It's a fantastic time. Everyone should get into minor league baseball. If you have anyone close to you. Um, but yeah, go, go check out my podcast minor breakdown to go learn about some of these teams. We are building the map out across the country. So we have teams that we've covered in every region, just about all the way up in Anchorage, Alaska. Uh, for me, uh, Speak of the Devils podcast on every major podcast platform, SOTD podcast on Twitter, Speak of the Devils on Instagram. Um, in the coming weeks, we're actually going to start having a weekly TV hour on the Arizona Family Network. It's Channel 3, Channel 5 out here. So pretty fired up about that. Uh, I also do some work for Devils Digest. Uh, dot com, of course, with the Rivals Network, as I mentioned earlier, and that's a great source if you're if you're looking to get you know real in depth knowledge of what's going on or just kind of keep tabs on on ASU. The both those I think are 
great sources to, to stay up to date with things. Yeah, just go ahead and follow me at Scope Ups Nation on Twitter. Um, I got some bigger stuff in the works, working with a lot of Buffs fans. Uh, had a big season for us, so uh, a lot more to come on that front. So stay tuned, but go ahead and follow me on Twitter. And, uh, you know, looking forward to speaking with you guys in the future. This is really great. So thank you. Yeah, you guys can follow me at Utah Eats Balling. I'm mainly on Twitter with that. I have an Instagram, too, and a TikTok, but I don't use them as much. And then uh, I have a YouTube channel, Utah Utes Football Digest, and I do like really detailed breakdowns, especially with us about to go into the Big 12. If you guys are into that, like, I break down all the star players on each team. We break down PFF grades, really analytical, really fun. So if you guys are into that, make sure you follow the page, and I'll uh, look forward, forward to playing your team. And we will look forward to that as well. Guys, thank you so much for joining tonight. Uh, appreciate each of you uh, coming on and, and sharing a little bit more about each of your respective institutions. Uh, I'm ecstatic about each of these new additions to the Big 12. I think this conference, if, if it's not going to be making 60 to $100 million a year, it's at least going to be fun as hell, super competitive, and there's going to be a lot of parity, I think, from top to bottom. So best of luck to each of your respective schools uh, this football season and basketball season as well. Uh, and we will talk to you hopefully next football season and, and get you on for some previews in action uh, once we have the, uh, the schedules and stuff released. But uh, appreciate everyone joining, and, and we'll talk to you hopefully next season. Thanks for awesome. having me on, man. Thank you, guys. Bye, guys. Appreciate, appreciate it. it. Thanks, brothers. All right. I mean, debrief time real quick. Dude, that was, that was sick. I thought that was uh, real informative. I mean, I just – those teams – I. You could tell that they're just they're ready for the Big Twelve, and it's going to add. They each add aspects to the Big Twelve that's you know substantial. So you got a uh, U of A with basketball. Colorado's on the rise with Prime and his whole you know aura that he's going to bring to the Big Twelve. Utah's obviously a dominant football program as of right now, and ASU. They say they're a sleeping giant. He even calls them fan, uh, fair weather fans. So, I mean, if they have any semblance of positivity around that program, it could be trouble. You know, they could bring a lot of noise. Yeah. I mean, it all four schools bring a different element, especially into 2024. And uh, Utah is definitely one of those schools that, um, yeah, you can – just see being at the top half of the conference when they come in already um, with the other three schools, you know, depending on how things go, um, you know, they could, they could be competing very early on. So it, it's going to be very interesting, um, especially on the football side, not even getting into the basketball side where you bring in Arizona who's a perennial national championship contender. And um, Colorado has been very, very good um, in recent years in basketball. So uh, you know, just being able to to talk about, you know, what those four schools will bring. Um, it's always exciting. I think for all of us um, at K-State, but in the Big 12, we're, we're going to have a lot to learn when these uh, four schools come in. I did not realize Arizona State was a powerhouse in wrestling. They're going to fit in perfectly. Oh, yeah. With how much the yeah. Big 12 values wrestling. And with oh how God. big Iowa State, Oklahoma State, those are some of the best wrestling programs of all time. And I, I also liked what he had to say about Arizona State baseball. Like when I think back to some of the College World Series, I used to go to the College World Series every single year with my dad. And I think back to plenty of them had Arizona State in it. They were a perennial contender. They were perennial 
uh, invitee, kind of like a LSU or Texas, they're, they're constantly in the college world series. So uh, I think they add a lot. And, and I think Arizona, Arizona was on the bubble as well. And they ended up getting the invite over K-State this year in baseball. So there's some good across the board. There's going to be a lot of competition. There's going to be a lot of parity, like I already mentioned. Um, I'm just excited because also geographically, I live 40 minutes from Boulder. My dad lives in Scottsdale, so that's a quick flight for us to, to get down to, to Tempe for a game uh, and then to Tucson for a game. So I'm really excited. And, you know, Salt Lake, I've been there as well. It's a, it's a fun time. It's an interesting place to go to. Uh, it's hard to find bars sometimes, but Salt Lake has more than Provo. I will, I will at least say that. Um, any other final words before, uh, before we sign off here? I was going to say, they and just aesthetically looking, I mean, they look, obviously they're power five programs. So like the last run of, you know, teams we added to the big 12, they were group of five teams and, you know, they kind of, I mean, just from image looks, they, they look like teams that are not power five programs yet, but you add these guys straight from the pac 12, they look the part, they, they look like power five programs. It's going to be, it helps the brand of the big 12 all in all. So yeah, I've, I'm pumped. I think they're going to have a lot to learn. All right. We're going to have a lot to learn. They're going to have a lot to learn. Bring it on. Yeah. I wanted to keep this relatively short, you know, about an hour or so. So, but I did have a question of like, what questions do you have for us about, about other big 12 schools? Maybe we save that for, for another time, but. uh, Well, we're going to have them on too, like throughout next season, they're individually. So they're, they're going to, they're going to learn then. Or maybe sure. we'll they be guests learn. on their shows. They won't learn. Oh. <laughs> awesome. Well, I, I just want to take a quick second. Thanks to everybody who watched this live. Uh, this is the first time we've done a YouTube live stream. We we got our start doing live podcasting in an audio-only format, but uh, it's kind of fun to do the, the video thing for the first time. But uh, give this video a like if you're watching this after the fact or during the fact. We, we love that. That'll help out the channel uh, and help out, uh, you know, just promoting this moving forward. But We're going to go ahead and sign off. Appreciate everybody joining and we will talk to you next week or later this week, whenever I decide to publish the next episode. If you're on Twitter or Instagram, give us a follow at cocaine Willie or follow us individually. I am at Bob Trollsby on Twitter. Chef is at chef Andre Napier and fireball. Matt is at Matt Marchesini chef. Take us out. Cocaine's a hell of a drug, baby. We're all Coke and no joke. Wildcat country. Let's rock. Let's rock.